Welcome to XR Class Podcast. My name is Baba Tunde Fatai and I am the host for the show. XR Class Podcast is where I speak to leaders in the industries, enthusiasts, people that are actually doing the work to create the metaverse, people that are in the AI industry, people that are in the XR industry to better understand the past of these technologies and how they currently influence us, the present, what sort of growth is going on, and the future, what should we expect. This XR Class Podcast episode is a very special one. This segment is dedicated to promising startups rising in Africa and globally. I have with me my dear friend and founder of SwiftXR, Ahmed Aroshebe. SwiftXR is a fast, no-code, cross-platform development solution for building lightweight, interactive 3D and AR experiences. SwiftXR allows you to effortlessly create a project, drag and drop 3D objects into it, personalize it, and deploy cross-platform, 3D, web, AR, and so on. We will be discussing everything about SwiftXR, how people can utilize it, the new features that are coming out, the future for SwiftXR, and what problems they are trying to solve. We would also be looking at how SwiftXR has been tackling the roadblocks that are facing many startups in Africa and Nigeria. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So welcome to the show, Ahmed. How are you doing? Hey, everybody today. I'm doing great. So we want to speak a bit about SwiftXR and a couple of things. But before we speak about SwiftXR, I think it would be nice to introduce yourself and what you do. Yes, thank you. Uh, so my name is Ahmed Awushegbe and I'm a senior software engineer I'm working currently with Voltio, where we're trying to build an human-centric metaverse. I'm also the founder and lead engineer at SwiftXR, where we're trying to bring no-code development for of ARVR into Africa and make it affordable. I'm also the chapter president for the VR AR session here in Nigeria, where we're trying to evangelize and you know get more stuff happening in our in our community. Yeah, that's so. Uh, I, I would use um, say the African XR community has been going so far. Yeah. I, th- I think it's I, I think it's definitely going fine and going good. I mean, I'm, I remember like five years ago when um, we could unpick, um, you know, guys that actually, you know, doing stuff in the space. But now you actually can't un- unpick anymore. You know, there are like a lot of people now. So I, so I think that's definitely a plus. You know, in terms of global. Uh, yeah, I mean. Coming from our, even our background, when we started XR, you know, we could actually unpick ourselves. But now you go on LinkedIn and you search ARVR in Nigeria, and it's just a lot of people. So I, I think it's, it's, it's going good. Yeah, yeah, I think the XR ecosystem, at least in Africa, is it's it's better than before. There is still a lot of growth, and it's still growing. That is true. So can you give a bit of introduction about SwiftXR? Like, what is the problem you are trying to solve? What is SwiftXR about? Yeah, awesome, cool. So, um, so SwiftX actually came from a, you know, it started from a personal problem of that I faced. You know, you know, as a as a developer, right? You know, especially when you're developing web 
based solutions, you know, using stuff like, let's say, Babylon, Ephraim, 3JS on the web, right? There's a lot of repetition in terms of code. You know, the kind of code base they use today for an app is also probably what you're going to use again the next time, right? So then what I was looking for was how exactly can I make that process easier or smoother or abstract it? So, and that was, you know, what bet, you know, um, SwiftXR, you know, where can we build components on top of all those A-frame, Babylon, and 3Js, right? Turn those stuff into blocks and then now any people just drag and drop all those blocks. You know, again, it came from trying to see how I can streamline my own workflow. But so far, we've seen that it's also like a global problem that people are facing, you know, from attraction that we are now across 41 countries in terms of users. So it's something that we've seen that, okay, it seems a lot of people are also thinking online in that space. And it's also like a, a, a problem people are trying to face. And in terms of how we're trying to, you know, that's just like a problem. In terms of like what we're trying to totally do, um, we, are, we want to enable people to be able to share um, 3D models or designs in, in AR or VR. You know, and that's just like, you know, plain kind of description of what we're trying to do. So instant sharing, are you focused on business or customer? Yeah, I mean, um, definitely we're, we're going both, uh, I, I, I can't really say business or customer, right? Definitely we are targeting B2B for now business, but, but majorly we're, we're going both because, you know, our, our major customers are more like developers, right? Developers, 3D artists, you know, again, just 3D generalists, right? And these people can be either a single person as a B2C, this same person can also be in, in, in a company and enterprise and that will also be B2B. But the kind of people we're, we're targeting for now is 3D generalists. I see. So the problem, at least the core problem is the fact that um, WebXR processes are kind of repetitive. People deploying their 3D assets on the web feels kind of repetitive and SwiftXR is trying to cut that repetition away uh, to, to speed up that process and make it easier for people to be able to deploy their solution or whatever they think about on the web instantly as fast as possible. Exactly. So I saw that you have some amazing features on, on or some amazing features you've already executed or some amazing features you are looking to execute. Can you talk more about those features? Yes, I mean, um, so so majorly the, the way we're trying to, to ride on is um, trying to build a full-blown um, WebExile platform on the web is going to be really, really hard, right? And so to say, okay, we are no code and we are really easy to use. You know, that's why you can go on SwiftXL and want to drop, you've deployed your, your, you know, your, 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 your app, you know, on like other platform where you have to like do like five or six steps before you're done. So, because of that, we are really, really careful to say, okay, how can we do some lightweight stuff? So, in terms of what we've started completed, we've done NFT, and this is because we are, we are currently in talks with some NFT marketplace to partner up with them, where we're going to serve all those marketplace using SwiftXR API as an API to rent already on top of the actual component that we recently launched, which is the goal was to aid artists where they can just upload their 2D assets and then instantly convert those 2D assets into 3D um, model. And you know, one thing that we, that we know since we're, we're lightweight, we've done really well is we we do those process end to end, right? So you don't need to worry about stuff like optimization. You know, you don't need to worry about stuff like you know file size and all, right? Just bring any kind of asset you want on SwiftXL, FBX, OBJ. You know, get that kind of process to make it easier, right? Don't worry about converting files. 
any file you bring, we're going to convert it for you. We're also going to help you optimize that file on demand and just make your build really, really lightweight. So part of the stuff that I was talking about were like the NFT, PD viewers, plane detection, image tracking, at least image tracking and face tracking are coming soon. Um, what sort of features are those and what are you open to implement? For example, the image tracking, the face tracking, uh, what sort of features are you open to implement for yes. those? I mean, um, majorly for image tracking is because, you know, we've seen some of our, our, our B2B customers now actually asking for image tracking, you know, um, especially for guys in the real estate space, you know, even though what we have now is plane tracking where you can put on the floor, but some of them are looking to say, okay, uh, can I start to put stuff, you know, on, you know, just like on their um, plan, you know, you get what I mean? Like, can I, can you project on the plan? Yeah. So we're trying to, um, you know, work towards that to enable that. For face tracking, we've also got some potential um, clients who are also looking at, okay, how can we enable them in terms of reward system? Now, currently, it's really hard to build face filters. Not like really hard, it's hard to publish face filters cross-platform. You talk about Instagram, you talk about Snap, you talk about TikTok, right? And if you're trying to build face filters, you have to like think about publishing to you know three or four of those mobile devices. But then if we can solve it, again, it's relatively easy on the web. Now that people can come, have a web link, again, might not really be as grounded as what a native app is going to give them, but, you know, we can... We can at least solve so that's that's one thing that is driving the face tracking feature i see so so one interesting thing about face tracking feature is at least the ones that are current now at least the ones that are very advanced now at the likes of the ones we've explained instagram facebook which is deployed by sparkia which is developed by sparkia and tiktok i've forgotten the name of their own development tools right and um learn studio for snapchat right so at least to an extent you are looking to also build a tool that will be able to execute maybe to know their complexity but at least be able to track faces and is, is, is that correct exactly to track faces and to also like you know enable assets or 3d models or design to be placed on all those faces you know beyond just even deploying for reward system this can also fit into you know web apps especially for trions you know like companies trying to be like e-commerce sites with trions so we could use the normal our normal 3d model to leverage it on normal models and then for stuff like eyewears they can leverage on um the, the face tracking feature i see so one key question would be for one to uh, to at least use the textile to the fullest potential one is to a large extent already have a pre-made 3d component so what of customers or consumers that do not that either are not 3d modelers or do not have these assets prepared already is there a plan in the future or a current plan that caters to those people so that they are also able to deliver experiences even if they do not have knowledge or assets but they are looking at certain 3d experiences to deploy is there a plan for that in the future a current plan to to accommodate those sort of people i i think definitely for, i think definitely for that one of the things that we've done now is we've enabled our our image converter system right so definitely you know even though we're focused on 3d generalists but there are currently three ways we are looking to solve that right so the first way is we are building this image everyone definitely have access to a 2d image right definitely you have a jpeg or a png Right. So yeah. at least to some extent, you can play around with our artwork components where, where you know, you just drop your, your, your 2D image 
and then that can just spin up like an ad hoc for you so that means you know at least at least anyone can 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 use that component right and then we are we're also in currently in partnership we are you know trying we're actually not in partnership but currently in conversation with sketchfab to say we can bring sketchfab integration into swift excel right so what i mean is we'd have over a million of 3d assets from sketchfab you know directly embedded in swift excel right and that's definitely going to be um you know again we're currently in conversation and let's see how that is your customers in the future would be able to leverage already made um 3d assets on sketchfab exactly the conversation goes well on swift excel directly exactly awesome. and then um the last one is there's this actually um there's this new stuff actually happening now in 2d what we call a gas 3d so gas 3d is a is kind of it's a new machine learning algorithm where you can convert pictures into 3d model and it's really really good um pictures again so you don't need like to have like multiple faces of the picture just a single picture and then that single picture can convert that into a 3d model straight up so we are also looking at that again might not happen now but something might happen like in the next couple of a year or two years you know where we can tap into that kind of api or machine model on our platform and people can come you know just drop any kind of 2d images like 2d images and that's going to help you generate but to spin up like a 3d nvidia gans 3d nvidia yeah nvidia gans okay. 3d um and also so there's, there's also Okay. Yeah, there's also I think the photo actually I think this is three, but it's also four. The last one is also the iPhone, right? So iPhone already has this slider scanner where you can just scan through the assets, mm-hmm. right? So although there's always there's you know issue with interp you know operability you know with the USDZ file that comes out from iPhone, but then if at, if we've seen a way to actually like you know the engineer that USDZ back into into GLB, you know just need a lot of cleanup because usually at least from my own experience when you scan things it would require a lot of clean up to make the model ready for use that means actually it might be quite, might be quite hard but i feel like you know once you can get that pipeline you know sorted out then it just means that you know anyone can just come with their you know with their, with the iphone and just take it straight into swift, into swift tech again maybe wishful thinking for now but maybe sometimes in the future no, no no i don't think it's wishful thinking i just think is as long as it is part of the pipeline then that's cool because you're already achieving some things now if something should be labeled to be put in place for the future so what do you see in terms of how many deployments do you have now the last time i checked you had over 500 plus deployments do you know how many you have now yeah currently now we have 600 plus deployments so where which region do you think your deployment happens most is it in africa or is it outside and why uh, that region do you think there is a higher volume there um so so to technically um you know i'll say the deployment happen mostly in the us you know that's currently where we see like high volume of deployment and again that's because i think um there's much more awareness and use case for them there and why they should use ar as as compared to as as, as compared to a nigerian kind of stuff you know although we are seeing guys already and and that's one of the reasons why we're also trying to push you know also here but i say like the u.s and nigeria that's like what well, i will see like deployments currently happening so what is the strategy to ramp up african deployment because it's uh, at least from what from my own personal perspective it is not that people do not need it it is that they do not know yet that they need it especially yeah. businesses in fact it's not even customers 
So are there strategies to like get to those people? Are there strategies to invite that knowledge in people or grow that motivation in Africa? Or are you looking to target where you think your strong base actually is, which is the US and outside? Yeah, I, I think actually for now, right, um, we we have some couple of webinars that we are, we are currently speaking up in terms of to ramp up our, our community. At the same time, you know, um, because we are currently trying to, we are currently, you know, in the developing our payment future. So, you know, for, for now, like, um, SwiftXR is completely, um, like, you know, is open, mm-hmm. currently our open free. So, we are currently actually developing, um, like, our payment feature, which will be out sometime next week, right? So, once we have, you know, all those pipelines ready, then we can now push, you know, properly. And one of our targets, actually, is, is to go to school, actually talks to students in schools like people in the india india in the architecture space you know architecture engineering students to say okay you can you actually student already works with um 3d asset right so you can bring your 3d assets and just instantly drop it into swift XR. you know that kind of enabling feature where you can take your 3d assets drop it into swift XR and instantly generate like a, a 3d view or a view of your 3d asset and you know we're also cost effective Okay, so let's speak directly to people that want to utilize it. So let's say, for example, businesses. And yes, we talked about school, but maybe we'll expand more on that. But especially businesses. So I'm a business and any business, let's say I'm a hotel or a business that does that does real estate. So how would you advise that they come on SwiftXR? Uh, how would you advise that they will utilize it end-to-end? And what sort of um, output should they, would they have? permits would they be able to embed it on their site yeah nice so 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 actually um you know one way that we you know we've you know we had conversations with people and the one way that we feel like SwiftXL can really really help any business that's you know currently listening to this or even like post this is a way to speed up your internal workflow right so so the idea is this right why do you need to share your designs or your concepts in 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 a video in 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 a a 2d file why not make it interactive so most of these real estate companies that we currently have in Nigeria or even architectural firm, when they want to sell stuff or share stuff, right, they share those stuff as a render, you know, as a 2D image or as a video. But meanwhile, the architect already has the source file that he used to generate all those render. So why can't the architect just take that same source file, drop it into SwiftXL, and actually have like an interactive 3D view of that same, you know, that same building, and also and and all this is going to it's only going to happen in just two click. I said just drag the 3D mode, export it, swift text and publish it, and that's all. So that's like one way that you know they can also think about leveraging. And of course, like it is it's going to start more from the architecture side, right? So the actual architect or the actual 3D generalist on the team that's actually working with the core assets should be the one using swift XL. So because the person can understand how can I how can he export the assets, you know, directly from that platform. Then drop it in Swift XR, generate the link. So the idea is that like I said, you know, we need to think beyond sharing those concepts as 2D images or videos, right? Why not make it much more interactive? I see. So um let's also speak to those that already have a deployed website, right? So I already have my deployed websites, most of my images, let's say I built a real estate, most of my houses are already in 2D images. Uh, is there a way I can simply deploy my assets in 3D because I already have the 3D assets of it? Sorry. Yeah, I already have 3D assets of it, but is there a way for me to embed those interactive 3D on my site? What I'm thinking right now is iframe. 
but i think that feature already exists but i wanted you to expand more on that oh yeah yeah certainly yeah we actually, we actually have the iframe feature where, where once you publish again on our platform because you know once you publish outside of our platform we, do, we don't have access to okay host that that, that 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 particular app right but if you if you host your app on our platform you can generate an iframe link where you can just you know pass that link to your developer and you're able to actually embed you know that same model on your website and the good thing about about this is we have like a really smart particular component that we call the indexable components where we use for e-commerce and stuff like this so if you have like a whole lot of um, 3d models that you want to put in your website you particularly don't need to create a lot of projects on SwiftXR. It's just going to be a single project where you can now, you know, like programmatically switch all those models. Thank you. So, um, uh, there's one feature that I'm struggling to understand well, which is the NFT feature, right? So, what is the thought behind that? Is it that currently if I deploy my assets on your site, I can directly convert it to NFT? What exactly does that cover? Okay, so actually, the, the NFT feature is a feature that's right on the artwork feature. So as I said earlier, the artwork feature was just saying, okay, an artist can come to SwiftXR, which is artwork, and easily spin up, you know, like an actual artwork of this of this stuff and deploy it, right? But now the NFT feature is right on top of the artwork feature to say that, okay, um, let us get your particular 2D NFT. Again, NFT content, are, uh, most of them are, are like 2D images, right? So the NFT yeah. feature taps into your wallet, you know, checks what the kind of NFT you have currently. It takes your image and then now converts that image into a particular artwork. Now, why we are doing the NFT feature is because in talks with some NFT marketplaces currently to see how we can power. So you can, so you can imagine stuff like OpenSea currently now, right? They sell NFTs, but then the, those NFTs are just as a 2D, you know, image, right? But then if you know if you know if some of like commercial go well what i mean is you, you now start to see nft marketplaces having 3d enabled assets you know, get a, like 3d enabled artwork so you can think about that um that uh, monkey like the, the the ape nft right it's having the ape nft as just a 2d image it will just be like an interactive 3d image where people can even you know put on a wall and deploy in air so that's what um is driving the nft feature so end to end for NFT, if I follow the process, it would be let's say I had a 2D image, I brought it to SwiftXR platform, right? That 2D image is converted to a 3D image with your I forgot in 3D conversion tool, right? Yeah. Is it a 3D conversion tool? No, right? I mean the, the so that the actual conversion. So that's after being converted, I can decide or the customer can decide to convert that artwork also to a to an NFT right are they able to deploy directly to open c or no no, no. so i think so or is minted no, no, no. on so, the platform so we don't yeah. mean on swift XR. we're just saying that bring your minted assets so for example let's say you've minted like two nfts on open c right you can come to swift XR, drop your open c wallet address we can fetch all the nfts you have on open c and NFTs you have on open since with 3D assets. Oh, so what you are saying now is artists that already have like 2D images or even NFTs that are already selling or something can basically just utilize SwiftXR to convert their 2D images to 3D exactly. assets and redeploy that to their open sea. Exactly. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That seems like a new a a a a market 
space that can be addressed on its own minus every other thing that you've been talking about so far that's like another targeting artists that already have their 2d images set up to convert it to 3d and republish exactly yeah, yeah. i mean yeah, so, so so me you know like as long as you don't have to have like the metadata right you can just give it back to the website and just, and just mint back your 3d model and you have it as a 3d asset so, hmm. so what, what do you think the two years or future plan is yes we've talked about like certain features that are yet to come out like the image tracking face tracking what is the web vr component yeah so the web vr component it's all as a you know like as you know we are swift texture right so even though now like most of the components we have now is just targeted towards ar you know and, and not really vr right so the vr component is also like the same stuff you have a 3d asset you bring it into our space and you can view that asset in you know in air sorry in vr rather in vr i i see what you mean so what's the if, if you if you solve swift texture in a year two years time what do you think you would want to have achieved what do you think you would want to have apart from these futures i don't know how long in terms of timeline you plan to achieve the image tracking face tracking but swift texture in two years what would you want that brand to to be known for yeah i, I think you know particularly one thing we're, we're, we're trying to drive out swift texture is in the next two years right can someone think about i want to i want to publish a 3d object or a 3d asset or a 2d asset into a or vr easily right and the person just thinks swift XR. you know like that's that's really what we're trying to drive so that thinking that everyone just like you know that okay this is my 3d asset right i want to convert it into a or vr or this is my 2d image or whatever asset i have I want it to just drop into ARVR easily, right? Then the person just take like, you know, default to like um, SwiftXR. So one thing that I've um, noticed so far is not, technical people might not face as much problems. So what do you think about non-technical people? Especially people that don't know much about like 3D assets but still wish to deploy. deploy. Uh, are there like accommodations for those? Do they get in contact with you? What was your thought around that? Non-technical people so far yeah so yeah. so one like we have our docs so you know our docs is actually like boldly written on our own page so if you go to the own page you see the docs that you can read so again i know docs can sometimes get scary and you know other of information and you know like that's why we also have our community so if you go to our community tab you can join our discord community and you know just just drop i you know everyone is, is is always ready to just answer your questions or anything that you have you know on our, on our discord page so you know that's a way that you can and, and also you know we also try to make sure that any component we are shipping out or any feature that we are shipping out in terms of ui design we try to make it to make sure that it's not complicated at all you know it's like super super relatively easy to use you know that's you know one of the things that are actually driving us at, at the back i see so from what you are saying now in the next few years you want to text out to be the household name for people that wish to deploy their 3d assets instantly on the web first secondly your designs are simple and easy to understand so is your doc is that correct exactly um do you have anything to say more about with texa that i've not covered yeah i mean um not not anything necessarily per se but, but i think particularly one, one thing that, that i've noticed is you know remember like when we started um Swift XR, you know it felt um what i call it it felt unique but as we start to do stuff we start to say okay i think there are more guys in this space that actively play you know i remember when we started a little bit last year um you know 
last year they will launch early this year you know i think a lot of stuff is actually happening in this web xr space particularly web xr right it's actually ramping up at really really like light speed so what is that one thing or a few things that you wish to put in place or you currently think about that you think sets you apart from the competitors that whoever is hearing this should definitely check out with xr nice nice I, i'll say i'll say one is in terms of ease of use right i mean coming from you know i myself i'm a technical person i'm a developer i'm developing for over the like past half a decade already right and you know it it's like all the learnings you know all those headache all those outbreaks that I've, that I've faced using some of these platforms right i actually try to address them with swiftexer so swiftexer is so easy to use I, I i i mean i kid you not right um i was this particular app I won't mention the name actually because we're working and then the one i just like have a chair and then put the chair in air right and then there was just a whole lot of ula balu like you know left and right i was like my god it just with a certain to swift text i'll drop it you're going to deploy this thing in less than 10 seconds and you're done right so i would say is that ease of use and i think for now right i don't think i've seen any platform that actually addresses the ease of use as 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 easy as swift text or the way we addressed it and the second is also like our cost right um is um deploying ar via solution is expensive right um if you look at what it takes to publish stuff is really really expensive and particularly the way we are currently addressing this is we are using something which again which are actually going to launch next week and we call it like um credit system right so what is does so rather than actually tying people down to say okay I would say you see tying down per se, but rather than actually having people to commit, you know, month, because what we've noticed particularly is, so people just want to deploy something once, right? And that's what they want to do, maybe once a month, right? But then oftentimes, uh, most of like, um, like computer platform actually like have only subscription-based models, right? So what I mean is you have to pay flat fee every month. So whether you're going to deploy just one stuff, you're still going to pay that monthly subscription. Right. So we're trying to address it in a way that, okay, let us have boots, right? Let's have our normal subscription plan. Let's also have a credit system. So our platform right? and say, okay, I want to deploy this thing in air, right? You then compute and say, okay, how much is it going to cost me in terms of credits? You buy that credits, which is, can be as low as $1. You buy it, you deploy it, and you move, you know? So I, so that's actually two stuff that was say that's actually like, you know, we're going to set us apart at least for now so ease of use and a very reasonable costing system okay so before costing system you know people like things for free so when you do deploy your payment system would there be like two deployments for free five deployments for free what do you think for what's the thoughts behind that or from the get go to get to pay or, or what how would that payment system work yeah so uh, what happened is so, so once you sign up on swift um you get to have three credits so three credits means that you know you get to deploy you know um your project that's worth three credits so for every project that actually comes to, to um shift you actually get to have that credit um actually as we as we move further we we're going to decide looking okay, like you know again based on what we see from like you know the our users right you know what should be the yeah. ideal you know maybe base credit to have but for now we're going to start with three and just like see how it goes sort of yeah but by the same time you know okay. believe that you know since the core system is relatively cheap so even if, if you want to try it out you at least be able to try out it like using the, the base credit system i see i see so uh before before we go i think we should get a bit technical right for those that are interested in the technical details of achieving this 
what is the underlying technology behind Sutexar and does that do you project a growth for that technology over time as time goes on? Yes, you are already adding, I think adding NFT features, image tracking, that is some sort of growth. We actually use a lot of backbone. So there's a particular component called backbone yes, that we that we leverage a lot, right? And what backbone does is backbone is like a component system. Because uh, one thing I want to be careful about is we need to build component that can sit on top of each other. Right. So for example, you, you, you get to see that you know um that you know i talked about like the model viewer right and now we have the artwork component right now you see that the artwork component sits on top of the model viewer component we have the nft component the nft component sits on top of the actual component which sits on top of the model viewer component so a way that we can extend all those components without actually breaking the whole system so making all stuff modular and this is actually what you know backbone does for us so actually we're we are still gonna we're gonna expand more on this way to the future in terms of stack, you know, of course, it's web app. We use a lot of TypeScript because, you know, if you're building, you know, app at last scale like that, you want to be sure that, you know, everything doesn't fail. So we use TypeScript. Um, for our web parts, we work a lot with 3GS. Again, it's like a lot of libraries. And this is crazy because we have to build that vanilla, like we are building vanilla app, right? So in that sense that, we can't le- we can't leverage on frameworks. So again, which what which particularly makes with Texas really hard to you know to build is because of we are using a lot of libraries, you know, we have to actually do our stuff from scratch in a way to like we can we can have harmony with all these libraries. Because if you go and try to use like a particular front end framework or a particular framework, right? You're gonna be having issue trying to debug all those bugs from from somewhere. And because we're, we're working with Babylon, we're working with A-Frame, you know, Google Model Viewer, we're using TVGS, again, a lot of all those um, um, libraries. So, yeah. So, that's just... Would the, the lack of framework not um, affect scalability? No, because I mean, if not... you're not using a framework, for example, then scalability might be a bit hard. Tomorrow, you might want to be twice as big. And if everything is vanilla, won't that affect scalability to an extent? You know what I mean? So, 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 particularly, even though Abinla, for example, I, I mentioned Backbone, right? So, Backbone is like one of the core tech that, you know, you see behind stuff like Vue and React, for example, right? So, even though we are vanilla, right? Um, we're vanilla, like vanilla, but I think we're thinking scalability. So, I said all those two actually, like, all this stuff that I mentioned to you are currently, like, in, in components, right? So, if we need to, like, switch, switch, you know, we can actually still switch, switch, but we can't really go crazy with our switching because of the amount of library I use. Again, it's something that we actually, that, um, we are, continuously thinking about in terms of you know um and i think um svf might actually just be our solution it's a framework that came out i think in 2019 or 2020 it's, it's relatively new um, SVLT, 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 SVLT. so uh, again i'm just gonna like if you're actually a ui a front-end engineer just like just listening to this it's definitely a framework to check out like the address again most of our problem relatively easy and we're actually already exploring XVLT and it seems it might just solve our problem you know, because it doesn't like compiles um like in runtime, but instead it compiles pre-runtime and it's you know it makes stuff really modular for us. Yeah. So that's one of the actually constraints now. One thing about software solution in general currently is security. Um how secure is to text out to use? Is there any security consideration for customers to think about? Yeah, I mean, so definitely there's always a security problem, um, you know, somewhere. And that's why particularly what we try to do is we try to offload most of your stuff on your laptop, right? Or your system. So what I mean is 
you know, rather than engaging this, our like rather engaging like a remote server somewhere else to run stuff, we run stuff in your machine, right? And because we are not particularly taking stuff away from your machine, right? There's less security risk. So it's, it's happening in your system and it's, it's your system alone, right? So, so yeah, yeah, and there's also like issue with, um, you know, again, this is a you know, general issue. There's always issue with 3D models, right? So oftentimes when you load 3D models on the web, right? Um, you know, there's always a way that people actually strip out 3D models, you know, from, from the web, you know. Um, I know there are ways to solve this and it's something that we've, we've, we've solved in one way, but, you know, by completely, you know, rechunking the assets and then it's only a particular Swift text out, a, a particular Swift text out, um, like script that can actually recompile that stuff back in runtime. So there's always a problem, as I said, like, so generally it's a problem with geo, right? This is even with games. If you're playing a game, right, I can use like a like a GPU stripper and I can get that game asset. So if I'm playing God of War or Call of Duty, right, I can actually get all the things that I said they use in my game. I can extract it out. Because whenever I render some like whenever I render something, you're actually rendering it on your GPU or whatever graphic device you're using, right? And that asset is actually loaded on the stuff. So there are there are particularly software that's can go into your GPU and remove those assets, even though you know, like it requires like quite an high level of like you know technical skill set to use it, right? So you know, so again, there's little to zero preventing measure you can actually do against that. But what we try to do is again, like to the best of our ability, at least we solve it to some certain extent. And as I mentioned, there, like what we do is right from where you again, if you publish your asset via SwiftXR, we are we are going to take the assets. And then we're we going to chunk it. So, so we're going to completely like break it out. And then when I'll send you break it out via the web. So what I mean is if you get the asset, it's not going to work for you because it's, it's going to be broken. Then on runtime, when it, when anybody load your app, we now stitch it back together and then I'll pass it. So that way, like, you know, you're not like getting it. So it's, it happens in runtime. So. so that serves as some sort of encryption. Niche. Exactly. Encryption. I see. So, I mean, it's, so, you know, I mean, I mean, it's still, I mean, develop, uh, like security is actually still growing. It's something that I think is, is going to get better as time goes on. But yeah, like, that's what that's what we do um, about, about now. So most of the things that are done on SwiftXR are done offline. When they come on your website, I'm guessing they load the necessary modules to actually be able to carry out these things offline. When I say offline, I don't mean not online, I mean on their system, right? Exactly. Great. So, Adi, uh, so for companies working on models, for example, that they feel like should be classified, that's models that they don't want to share out there. Are these models in any way uploaded to your server, to your system? Do you have access to these models or everything is done on their system and you don't have access to it? That could be one of the. Yeah. So, so actually for now, right, we don't have access to anybody model. So what I mean is if today we're working on SwiftXL, right, we have no way to actually tell what kind of model as I mentioned earlier we've actually offloaded most of this stuff on your system right and that sort of like increase the security for us so um actually we're actually going to move to a state because we've seen some particular customers actually asking us that you know they want to like do online sync so we are, we are moving to a state whereby we are actually going to have two two states where you know we're going to have local states and then we're going to have like online sync so you're actually free to decide what kind of approach you want to take to um to, de to deploy your, your, your app 
Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, Amen. Nice. Awesome. So one interesting thing that, although I think I would have mentioned it already in the intro, is that we have worked together and we did school together. So it's nice seeing you making a lot of waves out there with Texas. And I look forward to more. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, I think like, I mean, you, you, you're also doing fine, but you're just being humble. Like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of your work you've been, you've been working on. But yeah. No, no, no. I, we try our best. We are trying our best. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. My yeah, man. awesome. Uh, thank you. I look forward to more from Sweet Texas. Thank you very yep. much. Thank you. You too. Bye.